When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Melanated Faith podcast. We are so excited to kick off season four with our first guest of the season, Jamie Grace. So if you don't know about Jamie Grace, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Jamie Grace is a Grammy nominated singer, songwriter and actress. She's from Atlanta, Georgia, and she has millions of followers across social media. Jamie actively advocates for joy and wellness and mental health through the lens of music, film and faith. Diagnosed with Tourette syndrome, ADHD, and anxiety at a young age, Jamie has learned how not only to manage her life, but to thrive, and now lives to encourage others to do the same. Jamie chronicles this journey in her book, Finding Quiet. Jamie loves Jesus, her family, and tacos. So to learn more about Jamie Grace, head over to her Instagram page at jamiegraceh. And without further ado, we want to welcome Jamie Grace to the show. Um, So, Jamie, to just kick us off, I want to talk a little bit about your book, Finding Quiet. You write fondly about your your childhood, your family, um, and you talk about being diagnosed at 11 with Tourette's and obsessive compulsive disorder and ADHD. And I guess I'm wondering kind of what was that like as a young black girl in the South, especially I think there's a kind of still a stigma or a culture around like, let's not talk about um, mental illness or mental health. And then did you find that sort of diagnosis constricting or any way and how you kind of navigated that as a young kid? Yeah, you know, it's actually really fascinating because you guys are the first people that I'm talking to since um, I've like gotten or maybe like the first people that have really asked me more about the diagnosis since I uh, got access to my medical records. Um, I'm just a huge nerd and I was just so curious. I was like, I wonder what they were typing on that computer about me. And so um, it's <laughs> actually one fascinating fact about my medical records is that I was doc, it says in there that I'm a white female. Um, and that's, you know, in no way true. Um, and so I'm not sure though, if that was the doctor or the nurses doing to help my case because it's really hard to get a black kid diagnosed in in like the 90s early 2000s with anything mental health related or if that was just a a mistype because they were like there's no way all these symptoms are coming up you know maybe it was like another nurse that documented it later but it was it's super fascinating i was looking at it and multiple times and i referenced as a Caucasian female. And it, it kind of looks like somebody just went in and they were like, oh, this wasn't African-American. Let me update, you know, this file. Um, but yeah, so it, it was hard, you know, to get my diagnosis. I went to multiple doctors. Um, you know, for those that don't know, Tourette syndrome is a, a movement disorder, a, car- uh, a tick disorder, uncontrollable movements and sounds called tics. And mine were so severe 
that, you know, what kind of a lot of parents typically think might just be, you know, a bad habit or like a nervous tick or something like that. Um, it, there were leg, leg twitches and arm twitches and all this stuff. So my ticks were so bad that my parents said we got to go to the doctor. And then the doctor was like, go to a neurologist and all this stuff. And it was just typically just known for um, white boys or white males to be diagnosed with, you know, ADHD or Tourette syndrome or things like that. Um, and so I had a neurologist say that I had something called psychotic eyes, which is not real. Um, I had like all these different doctors be like, well, we think it's problems with her sleep. And so I was put through like weeks and weeks of testing, like all these different things that they just kept saying it could be because every time the conversation of like, no, we think it could be a mental health issue, it was just shut down because of mm -hmm. my race and because of my gender. Um, and, you know, these are things that were told to my parents' face. Um, and so it was just frustrating as a kid. I just remember, like, I mean, at least once or twice a month having to go to these four to five hour appointments as like a 10 year old and just sitting there and just being like, I've had to tell the same story a thousand times. Like I've had to sit here mm -hmm. and just let them see my body, you know, borderline sees just for them to believe me, you know, and it was, it was just really frustrating. Um, and so getting my diagnosis was very freeing and it was very liberating. Um, my mom is the one that technically diagnosed me. She printed out miles and miles long of paper which uh, that was a big deal in 2002 to like print that much paper and she printed like all these websites from like internet explorer <laughs> she was like look <laughs> i know what my kid has and um i had an amazing doctor uh, in the state of georgia his name is dr hunkos and he was like oh yeah this actually makes a lot of sense i have finally gotten with a really good doctor at that point um so yeah it was liberating at first of course from a medical perspective it ended up being challenging just because like there's no cure and then i had to deal with all the medication and everything but just from like a personal standpoint it was very liberating to actually have a name to what was going on and for people to actually affirm like yeah this isn't in your head you're not making this up like you do actually have a tick disorder so yeah yeah, shout out to black moms who are just like, teach themselves medicine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to advocate for their children. Seriously. So we're so grateful for that. <laughs> so did you feel like that, like once you had a diagnosis, like, like culturally, like your family came around you or did you feel like still like that there was like a stigma associated with saying, you know, like I have Tourette's syndrome, especially I think given what you said about it being typically associated with white males? Right, right. Definitely my parents and my sister. I mean, you know, my, my, my sister's my claim to fame, Morgan Harper Nichols, the poet. Uh, and so definitely the three of them were, you know, very supportive. Um, my dad was a pastor of a small church and uh, he did, I think we did kind of like make a little bit of like an announcement, but like not in a weird way. Like I was super comfortable with it because my, I'm like, my ticks were so obvious at between like nine and 15, it was like, if you saw me, you saw my arms moving like a lot. You saw, you know, accidentally punching myself in the stomach and like, you know, kicking my butt with my foot all the time, like every 20 seconds. And so um, I was actually really grateful to be able to kind of stand in front of my church and be like, hey, I wanna teach you about something because it was just super helpful. Um, I, I'm always intrigued because like, I kind of wish I could go back in time and expound on the way that I explained myself i don't know if that makes sense but just be what i was mostly dealing with at the time was just severe tics mm -hmm. um i was dealing with some anxiety and depression and adhd as well 
but that just wasn't even at the front of my brain at all because my tics were so severe. So I think that that helped a lot with like talking to a black church and talking to extended black family, be, you know, because it wasn't like, hey guys, I have depression, which I think is more of a trigger word of a negative connotation, which is sad to even, that we have to even think that way. But it's like, because it was, I was so visibly, something was up, I think it kind of helped you know, kind of give them understanding a little bit. Um, I, you know, I definitely did have people in my life and, and in, in my extended family that made negative comments. And, you know, I got a couple of comments that were like, well, we, as you get older, you know, don't tell people that you have it because they're going to think of you a certain kind of way. Or, you know, certain parents are like, I don't want you playing with my kids because it's contagious. It's not. Um, <laughs> they just thought it was. And I would tell them, hey, just so you know, brain stuff is not contagious. And they were like, well, just in case, you know, um, I had a few people think it was like a demon and stuff like that. And my wow. parents are just like, well, we just ain't gonna hang out with them then. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think yeah, having exactly. protective parents definitely helped. Um, but yeah, so I like I faced a little messiness, but I think because my family was just kind of like that, <laughs> it kind of helped shield me from too much of it. Yeah, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and thank God for good parents to like shield you from the mess because people yeah. can be so messy. So yeah. what a lot of people might not know is that you were definitely a teen star in <laughs> yeah. the Christian um, pop music, you know, community. And yeah. so <laughs> I know for me, I remember because I was homeschooled and there was not very many people in the bookstore. And I used to work at a Christian bookstore when I was 16. Yeah. And um, I remember seeing your CDs. I was like, there's another black girl. <laughs> you know, it was like you and Nicole C. Mullen and CeCe Winans. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know, a few others. Like, there just were not it's very, a very many. small group. It's like already not a lot of women in like CCM. And then on top of that, like women of color and then black women. It's, I mean, it's a very small group. Yeah. <laughs> a super niche group. So yeah. you write in your book, you said, somehow as my career grew and changed, I felt the need to change too. The joy in writing to worship was gone and my number one priority became writing for work. Um, I think we all had those experiences, right? When right. you're doing something that you love and what you love becomes your work and it kind of saps your, you know, inspiration. Yeah. But what I want to know is how did teen stardom impact you long term? Yeah. And what adjustments have you made now to ensure that you have longevity as a creative? So, yeah, basically I am still learning how much being very known at a young age can have an impact on your life. Um it like and <laughs> I, some of it is good. Like a lot of it is good. Um, I have like, just to be honest, I have I have a very strong like um, sense of like self-awareness. Like I'm very self-aware. I'm very conscious of the, the choices I make and the things that I say. And um, I even like with social media, like I'm very intentional with the things that I post. And so I, I'm really happy about a lot of the things that I have learned because when like just everybody a lot of people know you at like 18 or 19 years old, like you just kind of, 
develop a sense of like, okay, I better figure myself out, you know, and I better figure out how I want people to see me quick, you know. Um, so I'm grateful for that. But at the same time, like, there's a lot of, um, there's still a lot of trauma that I've had to work through and that I, you know, would dare say that I'm still working through. I think, you know, we kind of all are with our teen years um, of just trying to figure out like, you know, I, it got to a point where like I was making songs that were like bringing people joy and like making songs that are making people happy. And that's so exciting. But then it's to the point where it's like, well, if you don't make songs that don't make people happy, then you can't pay your bills. And if you don't make songs that can't make people happy, then you're no longer relevant. And if you're no longer relevant for two weeks, then some other girl's going to swoop up and take your spot in the industry. Like, you know, it's this concept of like, there's not a few black women because there's few black women that can't and do this there's mm -hmm. few black women because that's how many people will be here so mm -hmm. like get that in your head and be the top of the top of the game or be nothing here um yeah i was told very early on in the industry like hey you're gonna last two albums like that's what women do here and you'll wow. be done <laughs> and, and so you know and i'm like well by your standards i am done uh but you know by the lord's standards i like i didn't think about you um but yeah so it it, it it was super hard and it was like to a point where i was just like I, I i got really annoyed because i started like connecting with other female artists like on the road and stuff like that and they would like multiple women would say things to me like yeah like i'm not really supposed to be friends with you because like my label you know sees us as competition so i'm kind of supposed to keep my distance and stuff like that and it it really was just one of these kind of like look there's only space for so many women up here and there's only mm -hmm. space for so many black women up here and so it's like choose every step that you take wisely so that you don't lose all of this that you have worked hard for mm -hmm. um and so i just felt the pressure to continue to do that to be you know as safe as i could as a black woman you know to to keep my hair straight to to keep my hips looking small to do whatever it is that i had to do to be safe and to be joyful and to never show pain and to never show sorrow. And if I did, not in the process, but only after once I've recovered, like I was becoming this calculated version of myself. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I'm not interested in this. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I wanna be able to be every part of who I am and not have to think so harshly about every step that I'm taking just for the purpose of currency. So yeah, so, all of that was going on and I, I mean a huge part of it it sounds so cliche but just taking really intentional breaks really helps me um to not burn out if you will um mm -hmm. you know and and also not announcing my breaks sometimes I do uh announce breaks because it'll be like you know the end of a season on my podcast or something like that but um, but sometimes I'll just kind of like make a mental note of like a certain type of break. Like I'll be like, I'm not going to show my face in my story for 14 days. And I won't tell people that I'll still mm -hmm. be as active as ever. They'll never notice that unless they're, you know, just creeping. They'll never notice that I'm not showing my face for two weeks, but it'll be so nice and so refreshing and so good. And so, yeah, that's really how. I'm keeping myself sane and how I'm able to, you know, breathe and everything. And then as far as like just getting rid of that industry pressure, I mean, I just, I just, I'd made a choice 
to walk away from unhealthy professional relationships. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we as millennials, especially we can start talking about like personal growth and like, oh, you need to break up with that person or have boundaries with that friend and that kind of thing. But then in our professional lives, we're just like being walked over and taken advantage of and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was just like, you know what? <laughs> you messy, you drinking too much. I'm stressed right. out, you abusive and tense. Like, no, I'm done. Bye, bye, sweetie. (laughs) No, that's good. I mean, I'm just thinking about what you're saying about how, like, you know, the uh, just the pressure that black women go through in terms of our appearance alone. Yeah. I mean, it is just so much that is expected for us to be accepted um, in predominantly white spaces and all I could think of when you're talking it's like isn't that just like white supremacy to pit black women against each other (laughs) right to tell you how to look how long your longevity is going to be in your career and what to do in order to survive in this environment and be as successful and as they determined for you to be and I think that is something that people oftentimes I think do not realize for us as black women is the pressure. You know, if I change my hair, I mean, I used to change my hair on the weekends before work because I'm yeah. like, I want you to, we're resetting. It's a new week. So my hair is different, yeah. but it's a new week. So just, this is where we're at. And like, just the thoughts, like all the <laughs> things you have to go through with your appearance, because you know, you're going to have so many questions. People have thoughts <laughs> about how you look and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. don't gain 20 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, this is just, it's just so unreasonable. Yeah. And then when you're talking about faith communities, especially yes. um, those, even those standards, I mean, it's just all very Eurocentric and yeah. it does not allow black women to be expansive in who we are and bring yeah. our full selves. So I'm glad you liberated mm-hmm. yourself because sometimes Thank you. <laughs> people are waiting for somebody else to liberate them and you just need to liberate mm-hmm. your own self. Girl, I don't even think I realized that I was that I was being suppressed for so long, you know? And I I think a lot of it is, I don't know, I think a lot of it is because, you know, surface wise, like if, if I look back at everything that I've created and shared, it's me, you know, it's like, it's it's me. I've I've, I'm so proud of myself because <laughs> I always hope the songwriters of this song never listen to my stuff because they will know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm sorry, y'all, but there was just this one time where the song was, I was supposed to do this song and I recorded it and everything because I was just trying to be nice, which is so bad. <laughs> I recorded it everything and I barely ever released, I've only released two songs that I didn't write in my whole in my whole 13 years. And I, I recorded it to, to be nice and it was supposed to be yeah. released. And then like weeks before I like made a phone call crying and I was just like, I'm not trying to be mean, but the song is bad and <laughs> I cannot do that. And so thankfully I said that because uh, it helped me to be able to say this next statement, which is everything I've released. I love everything that if you Google, you know, any picture that you see of me or song you hear, like, that's why it was so confusing sometimes that I didn't know that I was dealing with suppression because I was being my authentic self. But the issue is that there were parts of my authenticity that were being suppressed. You know, it's it's not that it's not that I that I was pretending to be this southern girl that loves horses and Reba McIntyre. 
It's just that I also wasn't allowed to say that I grew up east of Atlanta and <laughs> and I grew up in the hood. Like I also wasn't allowed to say that. I was like, I you know, it's like a cherry picking of the safety of the safe parts of who I am. Um, and so, so yeah, so liberation <laughs> right. has felt so weird to me in so many ways because it's like people will hear me talk about Juneteenth and they're like, oh, that's so cool to hear you talking about Juneteenth now. And I'm like, look, baby, I've been celebrating Juneteenth. I just couldn't tell nobody. So it's not that, it's not that I was not who I is be now. It's just that I was keeping <laughs> it a secret because you was going to be scared. Like, cause, cause I was <laughs> right. the first black person you ever heard singing. So I didn't know what you were going to say. Like, so it's, yeah, right. it's, it's weird, right. but I don't know. It, it feels, it feels good. It feels good to not be, yeah. to not feel like I can only, you know, it's very much a code switching situation. You know, yeah. like I, I was just like, well, when I'm, when I'm here, I can only be these parts of who I am. And when I'm here, I can only be these parts of who I am. But now I don't, I just don't care. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. I mean, and I think that's like a common experience that like lots of black women or women of color can identify with, right? Like you have like a work persona Mm -hmm. and maybe you have who you are in your family and who you are at church. And I really think, you know, one thing for Faith and I that we hope and that you're like helping us with is like, how do you show up as your authentic self? And like, knowing that there might be consequences. Cause I think sometimes it's like people hear, Oh, you're doing this for acceptance. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, literally I need to feed my family. Yeah. So it's like, Oh yeah. I want you to like me not as an end of itself, but so that I can make a living. Yeah. Um, and so that I can have access to like these platforms and stages because otherwise it feels like, you know, I won't be invited anywhere. If you know, I celebrate Juneteenth and mm-hmm. I also like, Tupac or Noopsy Hutzel. Yeah. So I'll just talk about Taylor Swift. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Jeopardy. <laughs> you know? Oh, but I love Jeopardy. <laughs> I do too. And I well, that's that you know, that what they try to do to my show, we'll let that Girl. go. But Oh my gosh, I'm um, so mad about Lavar. Sorry. So I'm mad. taking us so, so mad. So left field. I'm just mad. I, no. So I, upset I, about that. And that it's a whole situation where of course here's an opportunity to do something new and fresh and we're just going to stick with what we've always done. Never mind that Alex Trebek actually said he wanted a black woman to succeed him. Literally. He made many different points, even gave a specific name at one point. Yet it's like, oh, well, he's gone now. We're just going (laughs) to... But see, this will tell you, this is a lesson. Y'all be doing too much. Put yourself in a position you're not well qualified for. And you mess up your whole bag. Now the man is unemployed. Mm -hmm. When all he had to do there was sit there and eat his food. Seriously. Oh, come on now. That'll <laughs> preach. Ugh. I mean, just, you know, let the process play out. And now you're sitting at home looking silly. Um, okay. Back on track. <laughs> but I thought something you said was, like, really profound. And then it kind of built on something, another quote you, you said about, like, pretending that you weren't in pain or like stuffing those kinds of emotions down because what people wanted was kind of this like happy, joyful Jamie Grace. And they wanted songs that also mimicked that kind of wanting that kind of joy. And I guess my question would be, one, I think, how do you manage, you know, showing up as your authentic self? Um, You talked a little bit about kind of setting your own boundaries. How did you come to that? And yeah, like how do you protect yourself from kind of breaking down? And how do you, do you have like some sort of internal, like, Jamie, you need to be real with yourself right now. Like you're upset kind yeah. of warning signal. Yeah, I mean, 
I feel like, yes, I do have a warning signal, but I also have very honest people in my life. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I've mentioned my sister and, you know, and she is, she ain't got no kind of shame. And she's actually how I don't talk too much about the specifics of, of leaving the record label, but, um, but she, she really helped me through that process. Uh, I, I, I walked away from a label that I was with for a few years and, and she was a huge part of uh, my emotional stability through that. And so, and you know, I've been married now for three years. Uh, I became independent like five or six years ago. So that was a, a much longer time ago. But um, but like my husband now, like he's very much like, hey, you seem a little overwhelmed. You seem a little, you know? <laughs> uh, like, yeah, like the other uh, the other uh, day I was like producing like a song or something and it, it just sounded in a good, in a good way. Well, I feel like I don't have to use, I don't have to say in a good way to y'all because y'all know that I mean it in a good way. But it sounded a lot more, it sounded a lot more ghetto than my other stuff does. Um, and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like my husband's like <laughs> super black, St. Louis black. So he's very affirming of like when stuff is a lot more ghetto or urban, you know, that I'm working on because he, it's just good to have those people in your life that are affirming when you're yeah. doing the stuff that is that's authentically who you are and then also that are going to call you out when you're not. But I, I would say, I mean, this is like very, to some people this might sound elementary, but uh, to me, I think it's good to keep, to stick with the basics. Um, communication and just communicating feelings is just so healthy. And the other night, um, Aaron, my husband and I, we had, um, we had a date night and so the, the baby was home with my parents. And we just, we sat in the car and I just like, we like went, we went to go get cookies and then we ended up taking way too, like talking before even going in there, which I used to think when married people talked about this kind of stuff that they meant something else, but we were literally just talking and we were just sitting in the car and just, I was just talking through all the stuff that's getting on my nerves right now in the world. And also all the things that really overwhelm me in my own life and all of the things about my career that make me feel overwhelmed and all of the recent DMs and Instagram comments that have made me feel some type of way. And just talking through every little thing about how I feel, just that to me, that is as authentic as we can get. Um, even when, even if we're not naturally feelers, if we're more thinkers or whatnot, I don't know if you guys are into the Enneagram at all, but like I'm an Enneagram seven. And so it's not even like my natural instinct to be like, this is how I feel. But I've just noticed that like that is as real as I can get is my feelings, you know, not my thoughts because those can often deceive me, you know, um, not my plans because that is mm -hmm. usually a goal that I've not yet reached, not my hopes for other people or relationships with other people, but just how I feel. And um, it's just a good way to just kind of like check in with myself and i mean this is going to sound so preacher's kid cliche but even like a couple weeks ago i was really my therapist like she changed her office hours and stuff it, i guess she hates me um and so i had to like change days <laughs> i'm still mad at her about it so i was <laughs> like i'm just kidding i just switched days and so it was the day that i usually would be in therapy and i was literally y'all this is such a cliche preacher's kid story but I was walking, I was home by myself. So I was walking through the house, just saying all the stuff that I wanted to say to her. Because sometimes I'll just pretend like I'm in therapy or mm -hmm. being interviewed by Oprah. And like, that's how I get, that's how I feel like my most authentic self is either therapy or my Oprah interview. So I'm doing all this stuff for Super Soul Sunday. And y'all, this is so cheesy. But I, I opened, I realized I had my eyes closed. <laughs> I opened my eyes and my hands were folded like I was praying. And wow. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. Mm -hmm. Like, 
like I could just be talking to Jesus. Like I literally like I'm over here like and and don't get me wrong, I love therapy and I bet Super Soul Sunday has blessed so many people. But I was like, oh my gosh, y'all, prayer. Like that's that's the thing I need right now. And like <laughs> I forget to pray. And it's not like a I forget about Jesus, bro. I have ADHD. How am I supposed to remember stuff? Like I forget to pray. <laughs> so I was just like, I was like, oh yeah, like that's that thing <laughs> that I can just be honest and be mad and be real and be grateful and be supported and be thankful like that's that's my safe space like that is home yeah, to me you good. know and mm -hmm. yeah it was so cheesy but so sweet I just I I didn't even realize my eyes were closed I just opened my eyes and I looked at my hands I was like oh <laughs> thank you Jesus I that's what you do you like you be listening <laughs> <laughs> I mean for, you know I be forgetting sometimes but then I yeah. remember call on jesus <laughs> it was nice too i just put it all out there and it yeah it made because like like you were saying like you know sometimes we we have our work versions of ourselves and like you know it's weird if like sometimes like if all yeah. your friend groups get together you're like uh-oh like like what <laughs> what words can i say that, like oh my gosh yeah like they're not on my sometimes close friends my on instagram they don't know you know what i mean like it's kind of <laughs> scary so like to an extent like it's you know it's not like it's inherently bad like we have different versions of ourselves that are that we express in different ways at different times so like that is okay um yeah. but it it's just getting to that like not like absolutely you know and i even think too it's like we can't you know i used to always like be yourself be yourself and yeah that's a huge component but if we were all naturally 100 percent ourselves like no makeup like no extensions like gluten-free dairy-free like if you're allergic i'm not picking on you um but like you know all the stuff like all natural then we would literally be nudists and like i don't want to be a nudist and so i can't be an all natural me 24 7 like that's not like that's not an option for me yeah no and i think even to what you're saying about even in our relationships because like if i was myself all the time i probably would have no friends because my my yeah. all the time like sort of un like um i had a boss that always talked about his redeemed self and his unredeemed self and i feel like my unredeemed <laughs> self is very selfish and demanding and very like prefer oh, yeah. to be alone and isolated and i feel like my redeemed self is like no relationships are important you can't have your way all the time and that kind of thing and so i think yeah what you're yeah. saying is so wise about yeah like even if you are different in different situations like that can still be fully who you are um and maybe not right. be yourself is maybe not always the best advice <laughs> right exactly i think it's just i think it's it, you know, I mean, of course, I don't have a perfect formula for it. But I, when you get down to like, you know, just like, how do you feel? You know, if you feel like you're trying, if you feel like you're masking, if you feel like, you know, or even another question that you know, my mom used to ask my whole life, like, what are your intentions? You know, are you acting this way because it makes you feel mm -hmm. good? Well, then, yeah, that's probably a part of who you are. But are you acting this way because your intention is to be liked? or your intention is to fit in, or your intention is to get laid later? Like, what are your intentions? If you ask yourself these questions, then you can start to feel, <laughs> okay, maybe this isn't my authentic self. You know, maybe, and maybe this isn't even a component of who I am. Maybe I was just trying out a new personality and I need to not do that again. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> we've all done it. Like if you haven't done it, then I don't understand you, but we've all, I don't know, like sophomore year of college, I was like, I'm gonna be my new self. 
And I was like, no, she's not fun. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's just one of those things like um, I think it's just oh, whenever I think about that age when you're trying to like decipher, like, who am I? Who am I growing into? What do I want to be? Like, I just think it's one of those moments where we just all kind of have to like sift through that and process. And also, I firmly believe that different people bring oh, out different good. parts and aspects of who you are. Oh, you yeah. Know? And so. There's certain friends that, you know, I call my turn up friends where I'm like, I know I can turn up with them safely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then there's certain friends that yeah. are like, you know what? Um, if they just want to relax, they're more quiet. We're just going to do something and be super, super chill. Um, and there's friends that feel like family. So like, you know, it's a little, I can be even, you know, more of a full, you know, like version of myself, if you will, um, with people that you trust that are, you know, they're tightly with, you know, there's just different versions of people who bring out different parts of you. Girl, yeah. I know, like, <laughs> I know what friend to call if my husband uh, he would never get on my nerves because I would never say that my husband does that. But uh, if my husband is getting on my nerves, I know which friend to call because I know that she's going to have my back. She's going to support me. <laughs> and then she's going to ask, what did I do? Like, just she's just going to check. She's going to make sure, see if I contributed. But I also know a specific friend and like, I would just say it. Her name's Kristen because she knows her. She knows that if I call her and I say he got on my nerves, <laughs> she'll be like, I'm going to beat him up. Where is he? What he do? Like, I mean, and you know, like, I love her dearly, but like, we both know, like, like she's, yeah. she's my ride or die. Like, I don't care even like I don't care if it's somebody that I that I said you know I love them forever <laughs> like they're my or they're my favorite musician or my favorite band <laughs> she's like if they put out a song you don't like I'm gonna go beat them up like it's just it just is what it is like I so yeah you're totally right on that it's just we, you know we gotta know which friends are there for which purpose and you know if a body only has arms I, yeah, I, exactly. love, I love when exactly. kid comes comes out <laughs> I feel like we're, I feel like we're getting so many mini sermons. I think she I'm gonna write down like, um, when you said, "If God's not, if I'm not thinking about you," or that was so good when you were like, "God's not thinking about you," I'm not thinking about you. Like whatever I have for myself, you know, because I think the competition thing is so strong. Thank you, thank um, you. In Christian spaces, speaking of Christian spaces, yeah. Um, do you mm, find yeah. messaging around mental health and anxiety to be harmful? I think, especially when you think about something like anxiety, it seems really popular right now. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Like, if you struggle with anxiety, um, that the solution is, like, you yeah. need to pray more. You're not trusting God. And it's not like, no, sweetie, you need a therapist and Lexapro. <laughs> like, like, there is, like, um, this sort of demonization of, right, right, right. of like, legitimate therapy and medication. Right. And so I'm just wondering if you have found that to be true right. for you in Christian spaces and then how um what would you say to someone who feels like they're struggling but they're getting a lot of that maybe quote-unquote toxic messaging yeah you know I I um I definitely think it's it's harmful to exclusively tell someone okay well then you know pray more it always blows my mind that Christians have such a hard time with mental health like it like this is this is always what sits with me because I'm like how like, okay, you're having a hard time with this because it's not physical. Because certainly if like I cut my hand and it was bleeding, you'd be like, oh no, you want a Band-Aid? 
So like, if I tell you like, hey, I feel anxious, then why are you saying, oh no, you wanna pray? Like, like it. not saying you can't pray, but like, it just blows my mind that Christians have a hard time processing mental health as an actual need because like yeah you can't see it but like that's mm-hmm. literally what faith is is the thing you can't see so like why are we the people struggling with it out of all the peoples like that's our whole thing is that we vibe with something we can't see like that's the whole thing um so it's always that's always confused me um but i think it's just it's it's more so this concept of like you know of course the bible does say you know be anxious for nothing and I think that that scripture gets misinterpreted a lot of just like, well, the Bible says don't do it, you know, like, so it must be a sin if the Bible's saying don't do it and not even to get too theological, even though I'm like a huge nerd and I'm like, let's break it down, but like not even to be too, too theological about it. It's just that one of the best ways that I heard it explained was that anxiety is not this uh, one size fits all concept or construct. Um, There is actual good anxiety like that's a thing you know if you are (laughs) walking home at night and it's dark and you hear you know fast pace breathing and then you hear like a gunshot you know (laughs) uh the feeling that you're feeling right now is called anxiety and that is a good feeling because it will help you go home and maybe not ever walk around at nighttime at the dark time all by yourself again (laughs) like that's a good feeling that you're having because it's teaching you something right i bet every like psychologist that listens to your show is like you explain that poorly um anyways but y'all know what i'm talking about so anxiety is not an inherently bad thing and I, i i truly believe like when the word of god is talking about like don't be anxious for nothing i i think I don't think it's telling us, hey, you're sinning if you do this yeah. thing. I just, I think it's just saying, I don't want right. you to have this thing. I don't want you to be afraid. It doesn't say <laughs> you're never going to be afraid. It's just saying, no, don't do it. I don't want that for you. Yeah. But we live in a broken world. And <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't think Jesus wants people to get their, uh, you know, uh, to right. get in car accidents and to be paralyzed either. But it happens. And so we are we are the horrible people if we're just yelling at them saying, well, you need to pray it away and just pray that it stops when it's out of our control. And so that that's kind of the 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 the, the gist of like my intro to it, if you will, of what just like these are like mental health is not something that people can just control or stop in the same way that physical health is not something that people can just control or stop. You know, people actually have like anxiety disorders and then just everyday humans, like you said, it's very popular right now because of a million different reasons because people just feel everyday anxiousness and they're told the extremes of either you better pray it away or like, oh, must be a tenfold anxiety disorder. And so, you know, for somebody that is dealing with that and they're just like, I'm not sure, um, you know, where I should go from here because I feel like a bad Christian or I feel like I'm not Christian enough or whatever because I don't believe and I still you know, or because I believe and I still have pain or whatnot. Um, the first thing I would say is get all up in the book of Job. Like read the book of Job. You know what? Let me rephrase. Read the first chapter of Job. You don't even have to get through the whole book. I mean, you should. Like you definitely should. But just carve out half an hour. It's in the Bible. You might think it's his job. And it is It is fascinating. That man went through. Uh, like spoiler alert, everybody gonna die. And it's gonna be sad. It's gonna get dark. 
Um, but it's going to get so much better too. I think that that book is so helpful to watch someone deal with anxiety and to watch someone deal with depression and to watch someone deal with loss and abandonment and isolation and rejection. Like that first chapter is so was so pivotal for me um, as a young adult. Um, the next thing I would say to do, if you're feeling like people from the church are telling you like, oh no, you can't have anxiety, you shouldn't be stressed, like you can't feel isolated, whatever, is to read the passage, it's in the Bible more than once, when Jesus is on the cross. And there's a moment where Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like, if Jesus is allowed to feel abandoned, if Jesus is allowed to feel forsaken, then you shouldn't have your feelings invalidated either. The pain and the fear and the insecurity that you feel from mental health complexities and anxiety and depression, those are, feel, those are real feelings. Those are your feelings. So sit with them. Don't sulk and don't idolize and you know put these feelings on a pedestal, but feel them. Allow yourself to feel them. Because the only way that you're going to understand the privilege of joy and the acceptance of joy is if you know what the other side feels like. You know, I mean, it, it like... <laughs> joy is great but like have you ever had joy after sadness <laughs> like it's phenomenal you know um so those are kind of like the more you know biblical like connecting with your feelings and your being like accepting that it's okay to feel those things but the, you know after after that of course you know i just say like there are some really great churches that are being really intentional about counseling services and things like that that are that are free a lot of churches have that kind of thing um there are um uh there there are also like actual counselors that you can connect to um i'm in counseling every week and i love it so much it's so helpful um but you can also do like group therapy i i'm, I'm such a huge fan of support I'm such a huge fan of the village. This is the old fashioned concept of just like, it takes a village to raise a child. And so I just think everybody needs a village. Everybody needs a godmother, a godfather, like, you know, that auntie, uncle, that extra bonus person in your life that's praying over you. Like that viral <laughs> TikTok sound that's going around right now, but I had a praying grandmother. Like everybody needs that, bruh. And so, yeah, man, I, I know that's kind of an elongated answer, but I'm just like, 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 like you can try, but you ain't gonna right. get through this by yourself. Like, it's just like, let's just be real. Like, you, you took a great first step by listening to this podcast. So go get you a faith in <laughs> Catherine in real life. Like, that's, that's what you're gonna need. Like, not trying to get political. Are they vaccinated? Can they wear a mask? Six feet? Meet in the park? Like, something. That's good. You, you need that's to see, some, you need that's to see good. some people. Yeah. You need to see some people. <laughs> that's so good. I just met with my therapist today. Um, absolutely love her been working with her since I was 25 and no regrets about like having that kind of extra layer of somebody to help me not only get outside of my head but like you just help me process through other situations right. um and navigate you know life in the space that I'm in right now I'm so jealous you've had the same therapist for five years yeah that's amazing I've moved out of state so like you know typically if you move out of state you have to get a new therapist it just depends on like where their licenses or whatever, not all of them, but just like some of them. I mean, we'll talk oh more gosh. offline about some more things that I, I will share. And I will just say with that, though, because of the <laughs> yes. pandemic, lots of, you know, I have lots of counselor friends that are taking virtual clients and the like the better help and talk space like. 
Yes. There are a few new rules. I will say that. There are a few new rules now that allow um, therapists to do more online work. So some, there are some things that have definitely changed, um, especially because of the pandemic as of late. Um, we'll still circle back. And and I will also say this as a therapy right, right. encouragement, especially no, for black girls. The fir- it's like dating. The first one you go to might mm-hmm. not be a good fit for you. And so don't. <laughs> yep, I sure <laughs> so, did. I mean, I have an experience. Yeah. Like, it's okay if they don't understand you or you feel like they're accusatory or they don't ex- understand your experience or you need to talk through systemic racism or patriarchy or whatever, you can just find another one. You can break up. You can it break up. Like dating. You, you can, can break, break up. up for sure. Yeah, yeah. And and you can also not tell them any of yes. your business until you're ready. Like that's also an option. Like pick something that you can talk about or even you don't have to talk about anything, but you can like pick like a story from fifth grade <laughs> or just like you can pick a story from TikTok. Don't do that. Don't know. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. But you say like, cause I, I am a natural talker. So I'll go into a therapist's office and I'll be like, listen, my period last week. And then they're, they're looking at me like, oh, you ready? Like you ready to talk about it? But you don't have to do that. You can just go into therapy and be like, so tell me where you got your license. Where'd you get your degree? I want to know about you. What do you have to offer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like y'all said, you don't have to marry the first one. Yeah, you can definitely interview your therapist and see if you're a good fit. I I recommend that. You can even ghost them if you have to. Don't marry the first one. You can break up. Ask them questions about themselves. (laughs) They still got paid. (laughs) That is that is the truth. Um. No, this is this is this is good. <laughs> I think that, that's so. No, this is really good advice because I've had so many friends, particularly Black females, you know, work up the courage to go to therapy, you know, because there's a stigma in our community, and they don't have a good first experience, and then they just like give up. And I just think like letting people know on the front end. I love your idea about like yeah. don't tell them anything too personal. Like pick a random story and just see how they do. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Right. I mean, maybe this is a good theory, too. How about we normalize picking three therapists? And then and then you just cancel once you figure out, like, figure out their cancellation policies. And then you cancel once yeah, you find you one you different like. people. That might not hurt. Like, like, if you want to try therapy, line up a few yeah. different sessions and see which one, you know, works best. Yeah. And then you're like, hmm, Bob on Wednesday. He wasn't great. Good <laughs> yeah. thing Sheena's Yeah, tomorrow. no, I mean, that's a good idea. <laughs> Um, okay, so this is the last question that we have before we go into go off, sis, which we're really excited you're going to participate. Um, what are you hopeful for right now? There's a lot of things going on, the pandemic, mental health, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But what's something you're hopeful about? Yeah, man, um, a, a lot of things for sure. I'm just, um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm hopeful for art, honestly. I I don't. I listened to a Sarah Bareilles interview a few weeks ago and she understands understands my brain a lot. I don't like know her at all, but she understands my brain. And she said that she was looking around the pandemic and she was like watching all of her friends like <laughs> make all this art during the pandemic. And she was looking at them like, I'm depressed. Like what is wrong with y'all? <laughs> like how are y'all creating right now? And um, I feel the same way. You know, I, I was creating in the beginning of the pandemic and I've still been creating, but I'm just... I am very hopeful about the art that is to come. I think the initial happenings of 
quarantine and things like that were a huge shock. And I think especially for people of color and especially for women, like we're at a place right now where we can't afford to be shocked and we can't mm -hmm. afford to be surprised and we can't afford, not saying that we can't be, but we just can't sit there forever. And so I'm hopeful for the art that we're going mm -hmm. to have to just choose mm -hmm. to create. And I feel like it's becoming so much more of a, I don't know, just like unity in w womanhood and especially in black womanhood is just so strong right now. And it's so significant. I've like, I've never like, I've, I mean, I've always, you know, had black friends and a black family, but like, I'm just feeling so much more like, like my whole, my whole life, anytime I was out in public with like a black guy, so like my dad, most of my life, you know, he would always nod at another black man. Like that was like always the thing, they always did. I never I never saw that with black women. It was like, maybe sometimes there'll be interaction, but now like there always is interaction with another black woman that I see. Um, and there's on social media, another black artist, another black guitar player, I mean, it's like almost immediate. It's like, hey, sis, how, how are you, sis? Like, you okay? You know, um, our family went to the farmer's market the other day and this black lady walked past us. She was like, hey, family, how y'all doing, family? And I've just, <laughs> I've never had like, and I mean, I grew up in Atlanta, you know, it's like there's a lot of black women there. Um, I don't know if we were all just going through our own thing or maybe I was the one going through my own thing. So I just didn't notice. Whatever it is, I feel like there's this a unity that's happening with black women that has been like never before. I think we're all <laughs> suffering and hurting in different ways for different reasons. <laughs> and we're all at a point where it's like, look, baby, I can't make nothing for about six months. I'm a Venmo you. <laughs> you do it. I'm going to push you to the top. And when you tire, yes. baby, I got you, okay? And I'm going to go make it, baby. I'm going to go have another one. And when we tire, that baby going to take over. Like, I just yeah. feel like that's kind of happening. And especially in the spaces of art and podcasts and stuff. Like, I mean, like two years ago, I was like, I would have never been invited to be on a podcast with other black ladies. So I'm just like, this is new. This is new. And I like it. I don't know what we maybe maybe it's me maybe I was in the wrong space maybe I missed the invitation but no because nobody sent it but I got it now and I'm here so we're I'm glad here. you're here with us we're glad you're here too Jamie Thank you are delightful and incredible and I'm so grateful that we got this time together um you guys her book is awesome there were so many great quotes we highlighted when we were reading her story um thank you so much for sharing so openly and honestly with us the book is truly a blessing. Of Everybody course. who listens to this podcast, I will be personally offended if you do not go out and buy Jamie's book wherever right. books are sold. <laughs> but prioritize black-owned bookstores. Don't forget. And yeah, now we're ready for Go Off, Sis. This is our favorite segment our favorite segment and yours. So this is a time where we talk about something that we're loving, our blessing, also something that's a mess. So this is our time to go off, sis. Um, I'm going to <laughs> I'm so get us kicked off. Um, I want to say that mostly this is not deep at all, but it does show the power of social media and activism when we want to keep our shows. I do want to also say a few other things, which I will get to. Manifest. 
season four is back. Thanks to collective activism of people saying, Netflix, do right by this show and let us have closure. Okay, all we want is closure. (laughs) That's all we want. I started watching it like a month or two ago just to watch something and I got hooked. And then people were telling me that there is no end. And I said, what? (laughs) And so then I was like, we need an end. So, you know, pressure (laughs) has helped. There is going to be an end, which I do appreciate um, deeply. But what I do want to say to the what, as Kevin Kevin on stage would say, the what executives on HBO, why didn't you bring back Lovecraft Country? Because we did cry out about that show. We did protest and we did say we want it back there was a whole plan for season two and lovecraft was canceled so you know i i yes i i want to say that we see how activism has worked for a white show manifest and even though i'm invested in watching it i am upset (laughs) that lovecraft was canceled upset i lovecraft so had ma- so many good reviews. I mean, I'm personally offended. I don't understand that. I mean, I didn't watch it because I don't like scary things, but it seemed like everybody else was watching it. I sure and was. Very popular. And Jordan like Peele this, is like, you know, king of Hollywood no, right now. Yeah. I mean, it's Misha Green brilliantly, like brilliantly directed that whole show. And I mean, there were some scenes where I was like this, you know, eyes closed, hands up. I watched it with friends, (laughs) but I loved it. I loved the creativity. That's it was the storytelling, the creativity and the fact that black people can make sci fi movies, too. That's what I love, that it was out of the the box. It wasn't just, you know, um, one of those like you know, the holiday or, you know, my best friend's wedding. It's not the typical black comedy stuff. You know, I love them, but it was different. So right, there's right, that. Right. My mess, which I'm going to say very quickly, unfortunately, really sad for the people who are in the pathway of Hurricane Ida. So please pray for those people. It takes a really long time to recover from a hurricane. My dad's house flooded during Harvey and it was just super traumatizing. So Y'all pray, find organizations, people to donate to as these people rebuild their lives. I know that was a very quick turn from hilarious to tragic. But anyways, let's support those people and um, just, you know, be praying for the people rebuilding their lives in the midst of a pandemonium right now. That was good. Um, okay. there. I feel like there are a lot of things that are a mess in the world right now. And it was very hard for me to pick one. I always like to start with my mess and end with a bless because, you know, I like to be hopeful and positive. But especially in this environment, in this panini. Um, So my my mess, I will say this. For people that are pro-life, I really want you to think about an environment and a world where we encourage women to have children We want that to be the policy outcome. We want that to be the outcome, but we do not want to provide healthcare for that child. We do not want to provide paid family leave for that mother. Um, God forbid it be a mother, uh, a a Mexican mother along the border or an Afghani, sorry, Afghan, or a woman from Afghanistan. Um, You know, we don't think about those women as much. 
Um, we do not care that she cannot send her child to school because we refuse to wear masks and get vaccinated. We do not care that her child is being traumatized by having to do um, school shooting drills. And I just really would encourage the pro-life community to adopt a more expansive view because I guarantee you more women would be willing um, and would be less likely to consider abortion if there were things like paid family leave, if they had access to health care and quality schools, and we did something about gun violence, um, and to care about refugees and immigrants and not to be so selfish in our activism where it's just have this baby and then you're on your own. Um, and so my mess is just for sort of the collective culture um, that puts so much pressure on women to have children, but does not want to provide any sort of support for women, both in the United States and globally. Oh, that was very succinct. I really was worried about that. Okay, my bless is very silly as well. Well, oh, actually, okay, I have a mess that is silly, but I feel like it, it's an important statement. So I've been... <laughs> So I've been watching on HBO Max this show called The Hype, which is like Project Runway meets Streetwear. Highly recommend it. Oh I need to watch that. Guys, it is so good. Offset is one of, uh, Cardi B's Offset is one of the judges. It's great. Um, but I will say it is a mess that Paige, the only black woman, well, not the only black woman, one of the more talented black female designers does not make it to the end. Her sort of Ooh. whole s- aura thing is about how black creatives don't get paid as much or paid as much attention um, as white creatives. And when you think about streetwear, I'm just going to say that I would not think about streetwear without black people, without black culture. And so I'm very upset about how they did my girl page. Mm. Um, And then my bless is I read a lot of really good books so far. This, And I'm going to recommend um, Clinton Smith's How the Word is Passed. Um, he basically visits sort of these historical sites um, in the United States. And his basic sort of premise is he's trying to understand why we tell the story about slavery that we tell. Um, it is kind of heavy, mm. but he's a beautiful writer. Um, and it's just, I'm learning so much that I didn't know about um, slavery and enslavement and enslaved people. And also, too, he does a really great job of connecting history with the present. And since we are living in a time when people want to tell a whitewashed version of history, um, I'm all about celebrating um, good good history and good historical knowledge. So how the word was passed is my bless. Jamie. <laughs> that was so good, guys. Um I don't know if you guys like post this visual or not, but I'll at least say for you guys, if I seemed a little distracted, it was because I was trying to like make sure I had mine together because y'all's were so good. I was like, wait, let me get my phone out. Like I'm not about, I'm not about to mess this up. Pun intended. Um, Okay. So I'll, I'm going to do the same thing that you did. I'm going to like do like mess first. So mess, I, this is like, this is like hard to even say because I just, I get really angry about this, but I genuinely like want to share this because it's something that's really close to my heart. Um, so I'm gonna say the mess is the the U.S. foster care system and um, just the way that people are oftentimes treated unfairly. Um, there is a beautiful side to it that I believe that a lot of families have been able to be reunified. A lot of biological parents have been able to grow and receive support. Um, And a lot of children have been placed in really safe and loving homes. So that is obviously great. 
but there are times where things are done unjust and there's something mm-hmm. called medical kidnapping and um, recently in the news, there's an artist named Saisha. She went through this with two of her children. And so um, if you want to know more about this, like I talk about it, like on my Instagram story, I have a foster care highlight on my uh, on my profile. Um, on my, I sound like a 90 year old <laughs> on my page on the Instagram. Um, in my top five friends on my MySpace, I have a highlight about foster care where I talk about it um, and give links and stuff because I think that more people need to be active mm-hmm. in the foster care system, just serving biological families and serving families to be reunified yeah. and be reconnected. And then in the case where children are unable to be reunified with their parents, I think that more people need to be providing safe and loving homes um, that are advocating for mm-hmm. those children and their mental health as they grow up and navigate an entirely new world. But even if you're not able to be that home, it's like we can all do something. Like there's like there's literally a Facebook group for every city, every county where it's foster and adoptive. Like join one of those Facebook groups, wash a bunch of like of the clothes that you're not wearing and all this stuff, post pictures and say, hey, are there any bio moms that might need an a, a, a suit or, you know, a pantsuit for a job interview or something like that? And then that biological mom that's trying to get a job, trying to get her five-year-old back, she might be able to like save 50 bucks on going to Dillard's or something and you've blessed her family. So there's something that everybody can do. I'm really passionate about foster care and about kids that need uh, safer environments. So that is the mess. Um, okay, bless, I'm gonna say fall television. Um, just in general, I sometimes during the summer, I know that I have mental health issues, but sometimes I'm just like, why am I so sad? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, TV, True. it's gone. I like wasn't, we didn't watch like TV at all growing up and so well, kind of sometimes, but not really. So uh, when I went to college, I went just, I went wild. And I started watching, you know, nothing, nothing risque, but just like, you know, network TV, like love parenthood, <laughs> like blackish. I love my shows. And so like we get the masked singer. I love that show. Uh, we have 911. Yep. We have the rookie, um, the rookie, very, in a very grace, gracious way, handle like police brutality and stuff like these shows. These are good shows guys. And we got to save network television because Netflix, I mean, they're great, but I, I like my antenna <laughs> and I like regular little TV. And I like it. And I like fall TV. So I'm really excited. So the week of September 20th, everybody comes back. And my poor little two-year-old, she ain't going to see me ever again. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, because I'm just going to be watching TV. I'm, yes. like, I'm yes. so excited. Like, go hang out with your dad. That's why I married him, because he's good at this. Bye. Yeah, save fall TV. Yeah, save network TV. Equalizer, Queen Latifah. I, I have recently gotten back into um, oh, yeah. network TV, because sometimes Netflix doing a little too much for yeah. my taste. <laughs> I do like network TV as well. Yeah. It's, I just, yeah, I, I'm like a, I think that there needs to be a rating in between PG and PG 13. Um, I think it used to be PG 13, uh, but then PG 13 just got risque because now everything's like, I'm going to like take off my clothes and show you how hot I am. I'm like, look, I know this sounds terrible coming from a so-called Christian influencer, but I would like to see murder <laughs> and I would like to see fictional murder, only fictional. And I would like to see it be solved and then the murderer goes to prison, but also in a just way and he's rehabilitized. And then it says the end, see you next week. <laughs> That's 
Like, I'm not, I don't want to see sex. I don't need to see that. No, like, I'm not trying to be funny, y'all. I'm married. I'll go have it. I would like to see murder. Oh, my gosh. So that's what I'm here for. Law and Order is coming back. Excited you're about that. after my own heart. The, I yeah, hate the, yeah. like, serial. Like, if you're Soft not going to drop murder, all the episodes please. at once, you need to solve the murder within the episode. Otherwise, yeah. I, I, I'm not trying to wait. Thank you. Thank to you. To the end of the season. Yeah. And I need, and I, yeah. And I need a cliche twist too. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't need to be too surprised. I don't need to see all the blood. I don't need it to be pulled from the headlines. It doesn't have to be that dark. I just need a good old fashioned, uh-oh, this man's dead. Was it his neighbor? No, it was the neighbor's neighbor. Like, oh, how did, how did that happen? That's all I need. I just need good classic network fall TV. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, that's why I'm a network TV girl because I know by the end of this 45 minutes I'm gonna know who did it and they are going to be in jail. Um, we want to thank our guest Jamie Grace for joining us today. We are so glad to be back with you guys this season. Thank you so much for joining us. Please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell your friends about us. They can find us wherever they listen to podcasts. Help others find our podcast by rating and reviewing us in Apple Podcasts. Please join our Patreon community and follow us on social media at Melanated Faith. Bye. Bye, y'all.